teasing. Listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there the last of the bad men with reaction, action. The last of the bad men feature Art Godoy, Steve Godoy, Dennis Tech, Danny Creedon, and Troy Zach. And they're going to be playing this coming January the 4th at Pat's Pub with the Zip Guns and the Parallels. That's the last of the Bad Men featuring Dennis Tech and the Godoy Brothers next weekend, the 4th of January. Well, actually, a couple weekends from now, January the 4th at Pat's Pub with the Zip Guns and the Parallels. And what's really neat, Dennis and the Radio Birdman were actually inducted into the Australian Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year. The Radio Birdman, recognized by... Australia, who I think they always were recognized by. And speaking of Australia, 
well, because Australia is not that far from where our next guest is from. Hello, are you there, caller? Yes, I am. And who are you? Who am I? Well, let me look at this little sign taped to my chest, and uh, I'm Fruit of the Loom. No, actually, my name is Michael Rivero, and I'm the webmaster of WhatReallyHappened.com. Kind of based in Hawaii, right? Yeah, kind of based on the island of Oahu. I can look out my little uh, window to the left here and look down on Pearl Harbor. But mainly the operator, owner, producer of WhatReallyHappened.com. What can you tell the people about WhatReallyHappened.com? What is it, Michael, for people that don't know? Well, uh, WhatReallyHappened.com is a website that has been focusing on government deception and cover-up and corporate mainstream media deceptions and cover-ups. We're going into our 15th year now. Um, we're nonpartisan. We go after Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Greens, uh, peace and freedom, whatever, uh, with equal gusto. If they are lying to the American people, we're going to go after them uh, tooth and nail. And uh, we're, we're, we're having a bit of an influence out there in terms of shaping the uh, political debate in that candidates are beginning to realize that maybe going with the truth is the smarter way to go. Now, when you say influencing America and such, what about Canada? Are you influencing the rest of the world, too, as what really happened.com been influencing the rest of the world? Because you have quite a few items on Canada over the years you've had here and there. Yes, yes, I have, mostly related to free speech issues. And uh, I, I hope I'm having an impact uh, on countries outside the United States. But I do stay focused on the U.S. because uh, I don't think it's appropriate for anybody inside the United States to really be very critical uh, you know, places like Canada or whatnot, until we clean up our own house. And, and there's no question that the United States has got some serious, serious house cleaning to do before we can regain any position of moral leadership in the world. And if anybody has any questions for Michael Rivero, it's 604-822-2487. It's 604-UBC-CITR. If you have any questions for Michael Rivero from WhatReallyHappened.com. And right off the bat, Michael, I'm going to ask you what I asked you, the exact same first couple questions that I asked you in 2004 and the first question I asked you in 2004 when I talked to you before on an Ardwarda Human Survey at Radio Show. And again, people can speak to Michael Rivero if they'd like to. 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. My first question in 2004 was, is Bin Laden alive? So my first question in 2007 is, is Bin Laden alive, Michael Rivero? Of what he really is happened. still com. struggling valiantly to remain dead. Was he dead in 2004? Yes, he was. As it turns out, he actually passed away in December of 2001 from a lung ailment complicated by his failing kidneys. And uh, his uh, funeral notice was carried in, in many foreign newspapers. But, of course, it's, it's kind of hard to say goodbye to a really useful villain. Uh, and so the U.S. government and most of its allies basically suppressed the story of his having passed away. And that is why every bin Laden we have seen since then uh, tends to be, well, tends, they're, they're all fakes. Uh, the last one, they didn't even bother graying up the beard anymore. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're trying to use them as, as you know, the ultimate boogeyman. But, uh, again, they're starting to pump this new guy, the, the al-Qaeda number two, because too many people have figured out that, you know, for somebody who was supposed to be this supervillain, Osama bin Laden hasn't done more than show up for a couple of uh, phony press conferences since 2001. So how many years have they been bringing out the fake bin Laden? And are people totally used now to the fake bin Laden? Or you're saying they're not even keeping the fake bin Laden up to appearances, up to snuff? 
Well, they're starting to, to, to morph him. I think they're trying to create a new image for him that is a little bit more mean and nasty and deadly looking, uh, because the last time the real bin Laden was seen and uh, videotaped and photographed, it was obvious that the man was seriously ill and was not going to last much longer. So um, I think that they're, uh, you know, they're, they may be seriously thinking of trying to reinvent Invent him as a a new character, slightly younger, more deadly looking, more more handsome and virile. You know, member of the Viagra set or whatever. Uh, but uh, you know, there it, it's a repackaging thing. Uh, but again, it's really not working because too many people have just picked up on the fact of all the hoaxes since 2001. And right now, when you've got a government that was caught lying to the world about Iraq's nuclear bombs, and with the national intelligence estimates that came out two weeks ago proving that Bush and his neocon buddies were lying about Iran all over again, nothing the U.S. government says is being accepted at face value anymore. So it's going to take a real convincing bin Laden to fool anybody this time. What about this bin Laden obituary that you found? And I saw links to it actually on your website, whatreallyhappened.com. What have people's reactions been to that obituary, namely U.S. government officials? Has there been any comment on his actual obituary. Basically, the the uh, the reaction from the within the U.S. government has been to basically ignore it and say that it's a bad translation. But I've had it independently translated uh, by several people who uh, who speak the language, and they they all concur. It is his funeral announcement, and basically describes his medical problems, uh, and that uh, you know he died in uh, December of 2001. If you will remember, there were actually reports even in Fox News at the time that he'd passed away. But, uh, you know, uh, again, the powers that be uh, didn't want to lose this bad guy that they shake at us uh, to scare us out of our money and our children's lives. And so they've, they've sort of kept uh, uh, the myth alive, as it were. And, uh, you know, it really is very much like wag the dog. I mean, the guy got killed, and they're still propping him up and trying to use him for propaganda purposes. Michael Rivero, the second question I asked you in 2004, I'm speaking here to Michael Rivero from whatreallyhappened.com, and you can speak to Michael by phoning 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR, if you have any questions for Michael, was, is Saddam alive? That well, obviously, like... he's not alive now. Are you uh, sure he's not alive? Yeah, I'm, I'm convinced he's not alive. That would be a very dangerous pet to be keeping around. And uh, I, I have, you know, no illusion that, uh, you know, he was railroaded through the court system and hung in order to keep him silent because he knew far more about uh, the U.S. activity, both in Iraq and Iran, than anybody wanted to get out. And I have a feeling they probably persuaded him to stay silent with the promise that they were going to, you know, commute his sentence at the end. But I think at the very end he finally realized he'd been triple-crossed by the Bush family. And uh, uh, he did, you know, he did meet his uh, execution with a great deal of courage and dignity. Uh, I don't think we have very many American leaders who'd be uh, that dignified with a rope around their neck. And now his yacht is for sale. Well... Put it up on eBay, I guess. One of his yachts is actually for sale. It's actually over in Europe somewhere, and I saw it for sale somewhere. But I was curious, though, Michael Rivero, regarding Saddam Hussein, was that really him that was captured? Was that really Saddam, or did he die before then? Like, was that really him, or was that an imposter? And how many imposters are out there of different political leaders? Well, that, of course, is a closely kept secret. Uh, as far as this Saddam, uh, yeah, close examination of photographs of his teeth, which were not 
good. They were not, uh, he did not have a lot of cosmetic dentistry. But looking at photos from uh, before the invasion and the man on the scaffold, I'm convinced that really was him. And again, if the U.S. had Saddam, why wouldn't, you know, why would they keep him alive? It's, it's all negative and no positive. Michael Rivera, is George Bush alive? That, I'm not sure. I would want to see an EEG to see if his brain was still functioning at this particular point, but it's a very good simulation, I will admit. People have speculated about that thing on his back. What about that thing on the back of George Bush, Michael Rivera? This was during the last election, during the debate, so some sort of thing on the back of his back making him think that maybe he wasn't actually a human. Well, I don't know about the human aspect. I think that was a great deal of, uh, of silliness to speculate it. It certainly was far more bulky than uh, the teleprompters or the, the little earpiece that he's been using uh, to get cues from his uh, experts or handlers. Uh, one thing that it might have been, uh, and I did put a description of this product up on my website, there is a wearable, remote-controllable defibrillator. Uh, and there, what the speculation really is, as, is that his heart is not in good shape, and that at that particular time they thought there, 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 there might be a possibility that under the stress of the campaign that he could have a heart problem, and they wanted to just be able to restart his heart you know, immediately if there, if there was a problem, and that, uh, that it was some sort of a medical appliance that he was wearing. And, uh, you know, world leaders always hide their medical conditions from the public. Most Americans never realized that Franklin Delano Roosevelt was in a wheelchair while he was in office. Uh, there was a show on History Channel just the other day about how sick Adolf Hitler was throughout most of his term in office and how they were pumping him full of amphetamines to get him up to where he could do his speeches and, and look like he was just full of vim and vigor and everything. So the the idea that this may have been some sort of a medical device to monitor and possibly in an emergency restart George Bush's heart seems the most plausible explanation uh, for the bulk of the object uh, underneath his jacket. Michael Rivero from WhatReallyHappened.com, 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. If you have any questions for Michael Rivero from WhatReallyHappened.com, one of the more interesting things I found on your website recently while scanning it over, and there's so much info on WhatReallyHappened.com, was your little allusion and link to the Bush toilet, the special Bush toilet. What can you tell the people about the Bush toilet? From what I understand, there's some toilet security going on with George Bush where his shit and his urine is actually preserved. Like George Bush travels with a toilet. Can, can you say that word on Canadian radio? As long as we can justify it. And as long, well, because we can't say that word on American radio. We get in trouble. But to answer your question, uh, yes, the, the thinking apparently is, and nobody's really sure if this originated with George Bush himself or not, but the idea is that if anybody ever got hold of any of his bodily excretions, that they might be able to uh, learn something about him that is a negative. And this is actually consistent with the idea that his heart may actually be very fragile and that he had to wear that portable defibrillator. Uh, on the other hand, this can also be the sign of a deteriorating mental condition because if you go back and you look at the history of the reclusive billionaire Howard Hughes during the last years of his life, he was saving all of his uh, excreta in jars and bottles uh, and, and saving it and never flushing any of it away. So, uh, and, and it had nothing to do with security uh, on his part. It was just part of his 
uh, of his particular uh, uh, mental uh, deterioration. So nobody's really sure about it. It is an interesting footnote to a very bizarre presidency. And uh, I don't know who actually has to handle all that stuff in the special presidential toilet, but whatever they're being paid, it is not enough. And the link is there on whatreallyhappened.com. And the phone lines are open, 604-822-247. UBCCITR, if anybody has any questions for Mike Rivero of whatreallyhappened.com, the link is there on your website. Can you talk a bit more about what happened or how this was discovered? This actually was discovered because George Bush was in Europe and he had this special toilet and it was carried to everywhere he went in Europe. And also they saved all the toilet paper and everything as well? Yeah, absolutely everything. And uh, again, I think the, the thinking, at least from the Secret Service rationalization point of view, is that if any of these materials are recovered, uh, a laboratory analysis might reveal something uh, that could be very embarrassing. And that would include, you know, the, uh, the leavings on the toilet paper. I mean, uh, Bush may have some really embarrassing disease, or he, uh, uh, or, or, or again, his heart problems would be leaving uh, detectable traces in his uh, urine and feces uh, for laboratory analysis. And again, maybe just trying to keep anybody from getting a copy of his DNA uh, to make some sort of, you know, who knows? You know, the, the Secret Service's basic approach is, you know, we, we, you know, we're being precaution. We don't know what they might do with it, but they might do something nasty with it, so we're going to, like, scoop it all up. Again, I'm unaware of any other president who has gone to this kind of an extreme, uh, so this may really be unique to the uh, Bush presidency. And, uh, uh, again, you know, it's, it's just one of those little quirks in an otherwise very weird presidential administration. And they put all the shit and the urine on a plane and then send it back to the States while he still continues traveling around the world. Or does he actually travel with the stuff? Well, who knows? And, frankly, it's <laughs> more information than I really want to have. I assume at some point, and this is just a guess, it's probably incinerated and treated much uh, the way as any other security classified documents uh, would be. It is destroyed in a manner that uh, leaves it useless for any kind of uh, analysis. Michael Rivero from WhatReallyHappened.com. Is Steve Fawcett dead? Uh, on that one, I really don't. No, I don't have an opinion. Because that has happened in the last little while. What have the hints been regarding Steve Fawcett? Is there any mystery surrounding that, would you say? Well, I've got to be honest. I have not been following the Steve Fawcett situation, so uh, it's really not a subject I'm up to speed on. How about UFOs and Kucinich? Is that how you pronounce his name, Kucinich? Yeah, I've heard it as Kucinich. And Kucinich, he almost did a Dean scream, or people are trying to say he did a Howard Dean scream when talking about UFOs, because UFOs are a campaign issue now, aren't they? Well, I, what I think is going on is, uh, with the exception of Ron Paul and Dennis Kucinich, uh, the These other are Republican can- candidates for presidential nomination. Dennis Kucinich is a Democrat. Oh, he is. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, but all the other candidates, the so-called leading candidates, or at least as declared by the mainstream media, they're all pro-war. But they realize that the war is a very negative issue. They can't campaign on it. So they're out there trying to create all kinds of new issues that they can make speeches about and sound bites about so they don't have to talk about the war. And that's why they're so afraid both of Kucinich and of Ron Paul 
because as long as Ron Paul and Kucinich are in the race, the war winds up being a campaign issue, and nobody wants to talk about it. So they're trying to throw out global warming, illegal immigration, gay marriage, UFOs, uh, you know, uh, bringing back the mammoths, the asteroids going to hit Mars, anything that they can talk about as long as it's not the war. So, uh, you know, I have a feeling that, you know, a lot of issues are being thrown at Kucinich and Ron Paul in an attempt to take them off the topic of the war, and it's really not going to work because the American electorate really is very focused on ending the war, and that's going to be the number one, number two, and number three campaign issue for the 2008 campaign. Michael Rivero, I'm a bit confused about Ron Paul. What can you tell the people about Ron Paul? You have quite a bit on Ron Paul. I don't quite understand Ron Paul. What can you say about Ron Paul? Ron Paul is a strict constitutionalist. You can tell that from his speeches and his voting record. Uh, he's never voted for a tax increase. Uh, he does vote along strictly constitutional lines. And right now, most of the people who are supporting him, it's a tremendous grassroots phenomenon, they, uh, they're supporting him because they realize that restoring the Constitution and the Bill of Rights is what they want this country to be doing. They're tired of being taken down this, this path to what basically amounts to the dictatorship that George Bush is always joking about. Now, the reason I've given Ron Paul a lot of focus on my website was initially because the mainstream media was so obviously trying to shut him out of the campaign. And that kind of, you know, bias, uh, that kind of arrogant attitude that we, the TV networks, will decide who is and who is not a real candidate really kind of angered me. And so initially I put a lot of focus on Ron Paul basically to level the playing field, to let him have a chance to get his message out there. Obviously, that is no longer necessary, and he has really taken off. Uh, he is getting, you know, he's, he's setting fundraising records. And even more amazing, if you look at the breakdown of his fundraising records, most of his contributions are the under $200 variety. Whereas if you go to the other candidates like Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, most of their contributions are coming in in the, you know, thousands and thousands per ticket. Uh, uh, category. So it's really breaking down to, you know, the, the rich elites candidates versus a, a genuine grassroots phenomenon. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it really is, there's more at stake than just who's going to be in the White House, because we've got the TV networks that fear losing that power to choose who the candidates are going to be, because a lot of their uh, prestige and influence rests on that ability. All the candidates have to make nice to them or they don't even get in the running. And Ron Paul might break that monopoly. And this also applies, of course, to the American Israel Public Affairs Committee, known as APAC, which also has built its reputation and influence in Washington, D.C., over being able to choose which candidates succeed and which fail. And they, they tried that with an object lesson with Cynthia McKinney a while back, where they just simply said, we're going to knock her out of Congress next session. And, and they did. They just poured millions of dollars into her opponent's campaign and succeeded in getting her removed from office. And she got back into Congress uh, shortly thereafter. But it really was a demonstration of raw power. And again, uh, you know, for a foreign policy lobby to basically be choosing who gets to be a congressman and who does not, that's really a lot of influence for a foreign government to have. And again, Ron Paul has never taken any of APAC's money. They do not like him. They are very much opposed to him. And, and again, their desire to get him out of the race really is about reasserting their control over the American democratic process. Caller, are you there? Go ahead to Michael Rivero from WhatReallyHappened.com. Michael Rivero from What Happened. Listen, 
You know what? Five years ago, I kind of made a stupid statement that there will be martial law and this this bunch of politicians will never leave the White House. And you know what? After those five years, I still think that that might just happen. And you know that this whole election thing is just not not yeah. going not going is going to be good for nothing because they, they will come up with something like 9/11, like Iraq War or something, and they will just still hold on to it. Well, they they may try, but you know every government in history that falls falls when the leaders make a mistake and miscalculate what the reaction of their people is going to be. That's what happened to Charles I. That's what happened to Ceausescu. That's what happened to Louis XVI. Could very easily happen to Bush. You, you, you really think that um, Americans could actually go after Bush like they went for Ceausescu? Um, they might, although, to be very honest, I really think what's more likely to happen is that the U.S. government is going to simply collapse the way the USSR did. Well, USSR did, on, you know, by their own request, you know, but I don't think the American government will do the same thing. Well, you know, uh, the future will solve all those mysteries for us, but for the, for the meantime, you know, we're, we're obviously in a very pivotal time in the history not only of the United States but of the entire world, and uh, there's a tremendous amount at stake, and, there's a, and the, the really important thing is how many people are standing up to say, I, you know, we need to change the future course of our nation, or we need to simply start over. And more and more people are beginning to say that as well. So, so basically you're predicting absolute collapse of U.S. I think the U.S. government is not going to survive much longer. They're too much in debt. Nobody trusts them or believes them anymore. A government that has lost the trust of its own people can't function. It can't survive. Well, yeah, and, course, but, uh, you know, uh, all it's going to take is a crisis. I know, but, well, that's obviously it starts with economy, so they're collapsing, well, in this way, right? Well, the economy, I think, is definitely going to be in very, very serious trouble in 2008. I don't think anybody's collapsing deliberately. Uh, I think it's a culmination of a lot of bad choices that, that looked really good for the short term, uh, but in the long term uh, didn't work out, and we're, we're paying the price now for a lot of reckless fiscal policy going back 30 years. You know, as much as I wish this government to go down big time, you know, I'm afraid we are actually Canada, where we have 70% of our import-export, we're just with one country, with U.S., which is mm. stupid. But we are going down as well this way. Well, you know, what I like to point out is how things happened in Russia after the USSR went away, and there was a small period of confusion, and then they reformed as a new Russian federation, and uh, without all the debts of the old USSR and everything, uh, their economy is doing wonderfully now. And I think if there were, uh, was a reformation of the, the, the nation of the United States and we simply dumped all that old debt that the, all these Congresses borrowed without our permission anyway and, uh, uh, and started fresh you know, with, with the powerhouse that we can be when we're allowed to be, uh, you know, I think we'd be doing really good and we'd still be trading partners with Canada. And, uh, you know, I think we'd pick up and we'd, we'd move on, and times would be uh, very good for us. Yeah, but you know, then again, you know, I think the whole, whole place is run by Coca-Cola, you know, Exxon, and, and big corporations like this. So it doesn't really matter who is in power. You know, well, I, I, I would disagree with that in that the corporations ultimately uh, have to be bound by the civil law. And what you need is you need to get away from a government 
that works with the corporations against the common people, because as Mussolini said, that's basically what fascism is. What government is supposed to do, what the U.S. government was originally set up to do by the Founding Fathers, was to act as a referee between the common people and the moneyed business interests to say, okay, everybody get, has to get a piece of the wealth of the nation, everybody's got to share the responsibilities, and everybody's got to play by the rules. That's what government ideally should be doing. That's what the Founding Fathers set it up to do. But over the course of the last uh, 50 or so years, as uh, government has become ever more corrupt, uh, our, our federal government really does think solely in terms of what's good for the corporations, uh, being what's good for America. And, you know, it, it's kind of weird because we actually were in this same kind of a situation back in the 1930s, um, and it literally took the threat of a potential communist revolution to scare the American government into saying, you know, we, we'd better back off and let the American people have a little bit more of the American dream, or we could wind up in a communist state here. And if you remember back through the whole 40s and 50s, uh, and even the 60s, just how terrified the U.S. government was of the communists and how they were constantly propagandizing us about the red menace and all oh, those communists. Well, it was just one economic system versus the other. But what triggers a communist revolution is when too much of the wealth is in too few of the hands at the very top of the society, and your ordinary working-class people are, are going poor, they're going hungry, uh, they're losing their homes. We're seeing that in the United States right now. They're having to borrow just to heat their homes in the winter. We're seeing that in the United States right now. It does reach a flashpoint where they're a rational... Uh, thought process going on in the federal government, they'd be thinking about ways to maybe back off, make things a little bit easier for the American people. I don't think they know how to do it. Uh, they're pouring tons of fiat money into the, uh, uh, the investment market through the Federal Reserve, but it's a temporary solution at best, and it's certainly not going to carry them through the elections of 2008. It can't hold up that long. Uh, you know, if at the rate they're printing money and throwing it into the banking system, you know, we'll be in the, we'll be in the hyperinflation stage that we saw in Germany after World War One, where it took a whole bushel basket of money to buy a loaf of bread. We'll be there before the end of next summer. Michael Rivero of WhatReallyHappened.com. Was there actually almost a coup of Roosevelt in the 1930s? There were rumors of it. There have been rumors of other coups. There are a lot of people, who, of course, who look back now on the Kennedy assassination as having been a coup that, uh, you know, took the, uh, uh, the popular president elected by the people out of office and uh, put in uh, Johnson and, uh, you know, basically ramped up the war in Vietnam, reversed Kennedy's policy on the Federal Reserve and uh, the reissuance of silver-backed uh, monetary certificates, which would have broken the power of the Federal Reserve. That was reversed after he was killed. Uh, there are a lot of coups. They're very soft coups. If you think about it, technically, every election represents uh, an abstract uh, ritualized coup, where one government is taken out of power and another is put in. The purpose, of course, is to make the transitions peaceful and not destructive to the society. Unfortunately, with all the vote fraud we're seeing going on, uh, I think that peaceful phase may be, uh, may be running out. Caller, are you still there? Well, of course. I Do you have another question for what really happens, Michael Rivero? One last question here at all? Okay, Michael Rivero. You know, I'm really scared. You know, uh, can you speak up a tiny bit there, caller? Of course, of course I can. You know, who am I really scared of the most is the Hillary. I think this is really bad news. 
Well, I would absolutely agree with you, and of course, Hillary has been a particular foe of mine going back to the very first days of WhatReallyHappened.com. I started the website in response to the uh, murder of White House Deputy Counsel Vincent Foster, who worked with the Clintons in the White House. He was also working with Hillary at the Rose Law Firm in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, uh, there, the, the theory continues to be that uh, he did not want to sign his name to a fraudulent presidential blind trust, and uh, he was basically killed to keep him silent. Uh, the blind trust documents were finished, apparently, by Hillary because her fingerprints were on them. And um, we found out later during the uh, Whitewater hearings that, in point of fact, the presidential trust for the Clintons was fraudulent because uh, in the residence portion of the White House, there were filing cabinets with all kinds of property deeds and other financial investments, which is not supposed to be there. It's all supposed to be in the hands of the trustee while the president is uh, in office. But we, we know from the testimony in the Whitewater hearings uh, that the Clintons defrauded the blind trust, and they defrauded the American people, and they still had control of their own personal finances while Bill Clinton was making decisions uh, that uh, uh, influenced you know, what the worth of those properties were going to be. One, one thing that people forget is that when Hillary um, went out with her Hillary Care Socialized Medicine Program, and I know Michael Moore uh, you know, pays her a lot of, of compliments in his uh, documentary Sicko, but what he doesn't know or didn't pay attention to is uh, Hillary had a lot of stocks in pharmaceutical companies that just skyrocketed when she was out there selling Hillary Care. And then she sold out her stocks, and then Hillary Care went away and the stocks came back down. But she personally made quite a bit of money off of that whole thing. And, of course, we didn't get any uh, improvement in our health care. Caller, are you still there? Of course I am. Any other questions? Are you satisfied? Oh, yeah, well, of course I'm satisfied. This may be last one. You know, the, pro the problem I have is just Americans are so easily to convinced to, by media, you know, about the danger to them. And, and you know, that's what I turn. They will just come up with something really ridiculous that every, every single American will buy, you know, and nothing will really change there until, until the people will, will have a check that will, 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 will be enough for three days of living. And they'll be really starving, like you said, in Soviet Union and in Russia, and they'll really go on the street, you know? Well, I'm looking forward to disappointing you. Well, I, I hope that will happen because there's too many people who will just die because of it. But, uh, well, well thank I, you know, nobody, nobody says these times are going to be easy, but the bottom line is that we're headed into a serious economic upheaval where people are already going hungry. And I wish it was not so. Uh, but, you know, you finally reach a point where you say, you know, if I stay with the current system, it's going to get worse. And if I try and make a change, uh, it's still going to be bad, but maybe not quite as bad. And when you cross that line, that's when people start thinking, you know, really, we've let this go on far enough. Now, as far as the mainstream media, um, uh, looking at the audience numbers of radio stations like the current one, uh, my readership numbers of whatreallyhappened.com, Comparing them with the, the viewership of the TV network news, there is a very obvious trend where people are no longer watching the TV news programs to find out what's going on. In the United States, at least, uh, they are now uh, uh, basically uh, concluding that at least half of Americans are getting their political news off of the Internet. And this is another reason why the mainstream media is just, they're desperate to find some way to reclaim their audience because their audience is coming over to our websites. 
and they're finding out things at the websites they really do need to know about the candidates. Uh, for example, today on my website I put up that uh, notorious picture of Hillary Clinton posed with a donor and cocaine smuggler in front of the White House Christmas tree. And that's a picture that a lot of people had forgotten was floating around. So, you know, you're never going to see that on ABC or CBS or NBC, but you're going to see it on the Internet. Well, thank you, caller, for phoning in and doot-doot-a-loot-doo. And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show. We're speaking here to Michael Rivero from whatreallyhappened.com. If you have any questions for Michael, it's 604-822-2487. That's 604-UBC-CITR. 604-UBC-CITR. 604-822-2487 to speak to Michael Rivero from whatreallyhappened.com. What about Barack Obama? What are your feelings on him, Michael Rivero? Well, um... And the Oprah influence. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, that, uh, that was definitely a very successful move for him to do, and it's definitely he's closing the gap on Hillary. Uh, I'm not particularly fond of Obama. Uh, it seems like he's, he's more of an opportunist than a real leader. Uh, he's basically been in favor of the war. Um, and in favor of expanding the wars. And for that reason, uh, you know, basically, again, the war is the issue for 2008. I'm, you know, I'm for the candidates who are for peace, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really not interested in any candidates who are not willing to stop the war immediately and bring our troops home. And so Obama, I think, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's pandering to the masses, but again, looking at the demographics of his donations, he's getting lots and lots of money from, from ultra-rich private interests uh, to whom he will owe favors after he's elected. And that, of course, is exactly what's wrong with our country in that it has become so expensive to run for office. I mean, these people are raising $15, 20000000 million to spend to win a job that pays $200,000 a year, I think is what the president's salary is set at right now. And it does, just doesn't make sense that they're spending that kind of money for such a small return unless they're really there to basically be carving up the country and handing pieces out to their financial backers. And we're seeing these situations where, like, uh, I believe it was um, um, Mike uh, Huckabee um, what got, like, $20,000 worth of free suits from this clothing uh, uh, store owner in his district and then turned around and appointed the guy to some government uh, post with a very cushy uh, paycheck. And these kind of things, it, it's so common. Everybody in uh, government seems that this is just how it's done. We don't tell the masses, but this is how the business gets done. And they've gotten used to it. Nobody even has a sense of shame about it anymore. They talk about how, you know, how good liars they are and how easily they fool the masses, and there's no sense of shame or guilt. And uh, like going back to this uh, National Intelligence Estimate from two weeks ago, which basically proved that Bush and Cheney and his whole administration were again trying to lie us into a war of conquest against Iran by claiming nuclear weapons, nuclear threat, nuclear threat. The lie gets exposed. There's no apology. There's no sense of shame. It's immediately, okay, well, let's find another reason to get the war going. And it's just absolutely no uh, uh, no sense of guilt whatsoever. And so what, you know, we need to basically get that kind of thinking and get that kind of mentality uh, out of our government. 
And uh, again, we need to look at candidates who are doing their fundraising among the ordinary Americans and are not going to owe huge favors to you know multimillionaire investors uh, that buy them the uh, the media time or the airtime. And certainly, you know, I think we need to get the current incumbents just out. I think we need a whole clean sweep. Let's put all new people in for the for the next uh, couple of elections and just get the current crop out. Michael Rivero from WhatReallyHappened.com. If anybody has any other questions for Michael Rivero, it's 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. You mentioned Iran. Is there already an invasion date set, or was that from last year, March the 28th? Was that going to be the invasion of Iran, or is that what is going to be the invasion of Iran on March the 28th? Well, I think what has been going on is they keep setting dates for the invasion, and then they'll get up to those dates and realize they don't have the support for it. They don't have the support among the, the other nations. They certainly don't have the support among uh, Americans. But they keep setting these dates because they're really convinced that they can scare Americans into going along with another war of conquest. And a lot of people, and I'm one of them, are feeling very very insulted that after being caught lying about Iraq's nuclear weapons, they have the, ner- the government has the nerve to turn around and repeat the exact same lie again. And, you know, like the old saying, which, uh, you know, uh, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. It's like somebody in the government really thought we were going to fall for it twice in a row. And as an American, I'm insulted that they thought that about me. So anyway, as far as the dates for the invasion of Iran, they keep setting them, then they kept having to put them off. Um, My personal feeling is now that Israel is going to try and kick off the war themselves, probably right after the first of the year, uh, barring a false flag around the holidays. Has this have something to do with Russian nuclears, Russian nukes into Iran? Well, what it is is Iran has contracted with Russia to build the power station. And Russia, for a while, was holding off sending the fuel rods because of uh, the apparent U.S. plans to attack. But following the NIE, everybody kind of took a deep breath and said, really, the U.S. doesn't have grounds for an attack right now, so at least for the time being, it's off. So Russia has started shipping the fuel rods, and they're starting to assemble the core of the reactor. Now, this is a very long process. Uh, Basically, they're laying uh, patterns of graphite bricks, and then they put in fuel rods, and then they put on damper rods, and then they build the next layer of graphite, and so forth and so on. And it will take several months to get the reactor. Then they have to load it full of water to act as uh, the neutron mediator, then they can start pulling out the damper rods and bring the reactor online and start powering uh, Iran's electric grid with it. Um, but between now and then, Iran, or rather Israel, may decide to bomb the reactor, much as the way they did the uh, uh, reactor, the Osirik reactor in Iraq. And uh, Israel screamed, they're building nuclear weapons underneath that, and they went in and they bombed Iraq's nuclear reactor. And, of course, following the invasion, they went to take a look at the remains of the reactor, and they found out there was no secret weapons plant hidden underneath it. They're using the building now to grow mushrooms, apparently. And, uh, uh, but if, uh, if Israel bombs Iran's reactor now that it has fuel components, it will be a very major radioactive uh, disaster for the region because as uh, the graphite burns and the reactor fuel rods burn, the uh, uranium will get particleized 
oxidize, it'll blow in the wind, and it will be all over the region. Uh, won't be quite as bad as Chernobyl because Chernobyl was a functioning reactor with far more deadly isotopes, but it's still, it's still going to be a, a tremendous disaster for the region if Israel bombs Iran's reactor. What will Time's man of the year, Putin, think of all this if this bombing happens, Israel bombing Iran? Uh, that is very much, uh, you know, a question that we need to think about. I, I, hello? Oh, sorry about that. Go ahead. Just as I was trying to put through a caller talking about Iran, Israel, and Russia, the caller went dead. So please phone back. 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. But you were just mentioning about Putin's possible reaction to bombing of facilities in Iran. It's It's going to be a very touchy situation because right now, Russian uh, personnel are there on the site supervising the construction of the reactor and the loading of the fuel rods. If they are killed in an Israeli attack, uh, then basically Israel has, you know, killed Russian citizens, and Putin is diplomatically going to have to react somehow. Now, I don't think Putin is going to attack Israel because he knows that would trigger uh, probably a nuclear exchange with the United States. But Iran, on the other hand, will probably feel compelled that they must attempt to counterattack. And, of course, the only way from Iran to Israel is right through Iraq and all of those Americans who are stuck on the ground there. And that's another reason why Israel may go ahead and do the attack now is because they've got all those dumb Americans sitting in the way. You know, we'll let them fight the Iranians for us. And uh, so it, it is a situation where Israel has a lot to gain. You know, they absolutely do not want to lose their nuclear monopoly in the Middle East. Uh, you know, they're always screaming about Iraq and Iran trying to kick off a nuclear arms race, but the reality is that Israel started the nuclear arms race in the 60s. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. Some documents just surfaced from the Nixon Library that confirmed that Nixon knew that Israel was building nuclear weapons, and even more importantly, that Israel stole the material for their first nuclear weapons from the United States. So, you know, Israel is the one who's really been underhanded about all of this. Uh, it's an open secret ever since Mordecai Venunu blew the, the whistle that Israel has a nuclear weapons plant underneath the reactor complex at Dimona. So Israel is sitting there saying, oh, we're poor innocent victims. These other countries are building nuclear weapons, and they're going out and they're bombing them. They're pressuring the U.S. to attack these other countries, when in fact it is Israel that is being duplicitous on the matter of nuclear weapons. Caller, are you there? Hello, caller, are you there? Okay, caller, are you there? Is that me? Yes, go ahead to Michael Rivero from whatreallyhappened.com. Okay, this is a question that has to do with politics and punk rock, Nardwar. Um, particularly, John Hinckley Jr. that shot Ronald Reagan, who became the uh, uh, focus of a bunch of punk tunes, including Hinckley Had a Vision by the Crucifix and... Uh, John Hinckley Jr. by ISM, apparently had a connection. His father had a connection with um, the senior Bush's oil company. And this yes. was completely whitewashed out of the media for 10 or 15 years. That Actually, been... Neil, Bush, Neil Bush was supposed to have dinner with Hinckley's brother that very night. Yeah. Well, how does it, something like that get completely whitewashed out of the media well, it, you know, these connections, you know, they look bad, so the media won't report them. And, uh, you know, here's a couple more for you. Uh, President Bush's grandfather, Prescott Bush, had a German business partner by the name of Adolf Hitler. A huge amount of the Bush family fortune was made 
by financing Adolf Hitler's rise to power. And they continued to do so right up to the day the, the war began, and then they got nailed with the Trading with the Enemies Act. Uh, now, President Bush himself, before he got into politics, he was in a company called Arbusto Energy with a business partner. The, that business partner was Salam bin Laden, Osama's older brother. And you begin to realize that, you know, all of a sudden it looks like these villains that we're all supposed to be afraid of, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, they're, they're really just friends of the family who decided to play a role. So exactly what were the connections between John Hinckley Jr. and Ronald Reagan and George Bush? Well, the, the, the Hinckley family uh, and the Bush family had some business connections through the oil business. I think it was Zapata Oil. I'm not 100% certain on that. But they were also social friends. And like I said, Neil Bush, uh, who was later, I think he got in trouble with the Silverado Savings and Loan debacle, uh, but he was scheduled to have dinner with John Hinckley's brother that very night. I, I don't recall if... Uh, uh, if the, they actually had the dinner, but I know that the, the meeting w was, uh, was made. Any other questions at all, caller, for Michael Rivero from whatreallyhappened.com? No, I was just curious about that and uh, how the punks actually got it wrong because they thought it was all about John Hinckley Jr. and Jody Foster when, in fact, that was, uh, I don't know. I, I wonder where Hinckley is now and how come he hasn't talked about it. There's also some speculation that he was in one of these um, brainwashing camps and... Uh, Actually, actually no. He, he is in one of the most comfortable mental hospital facilities uh, that you can be in. He never went to jail for the attack. He was declared mentally incompetent, and he's, he's in a mental hospital, a very plush one. My last understanding is they're, they're starting to consider letting him come home on weekends. Uh, but, uh, you, know, he was, um, uh, you know, he was not treated as he should have been for his attempt on the life of a president. Are there any similarities between John Hinckley Jr. and the Virginia Tech killer? Uh, I don't think so at this point. The Virginia Tech killer, I think the only thing that I, I really want to continue to say about that is that, you know, that massacre took place in a gun-free zone. Everyone always talks about, oh, if there, there was a ban on guns, these things wouldn't happen. Well, that campus was declared a gun-free zone the year before, and they made a big announcement about our students are safe now because guns are banned on the campus. Obviously, that didn't really uh, matter. The, um, uh, the, the shooter in the church a week ago, that was a gun-free neighborhood where nobody was allowed to have guns. And uh, on the other hand, there was that one other shooting where I think it was a, uh, a lady in, in, in uh, the crowd had a firearm and a permit to use it, and she put the guy down. Caller, any other questions for Michael Rivero from whatreallyhappened.com? No, but that makes me proud to be a Canadian. Well, maybe you should write a song, Caller, and correct all these punk bands that have got it wrong over the years. Time for you to write a song, or maybe you have already. <laughs> maybe I have. All right, well, thanks so much, Caller, and do 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 loot do and you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show. We're speaking here to Michael Rivero from whatreallyhappened.com. That is his website. That is your website, isn't it, Michael? That is correct. Whatreallyhappened.com. If you'd like to speak to Michael right now, it's 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. The Virginia Tech killer, was he possibly programmed? Was he a programmed killer? Um, it's possible. We know that sort of thing can be done. We also know that a lot of these mass shootings seem to be linked to drugs that are being given for attention deficit disorder, which is the new fancy quasi-medical term for my teachers are boring the crap out of me. Um, 
uh, as to what actually happened, it's rather hard to say. We, we live in a society with a lot of pressures, and people can sometimes snap. But it does attract a lot of people's attention that these kind of mass shootings seem to happen every time that it looks like states are going to start loosening up the gun laws for concealed carry. Uh, Columbine, for example, happened right when the Colorado legislature was getting ready to adopt a concealed carry law similar to that in Vermont. And, of course, obviously the, the mass shooting uh, reversed that. But you need to remember that the people who want to ban guns, uh, you know, they're, they're willing to basically do anything to get their way. These are, these are people who declare wars. Uh, these are people who condone torture. So, uh, you know, and, you know, what won't they do to get their way? The government's ruled by deception and, and lie and, uh, and trickery. Uh, because it's much cheaper than just having that many soldiers on the ground. Michael Rivero, have you met any Blackwater types? How hard is it to get into Blackwater? Are they still making lots of money, Blackwater? Uh, all of the private contractors are making tons of money. Um, uh, my understanding is if anybody really wants to get into that line of work, they tend to advertise in, like, Soldier of Fortune magazine. Uh, they advertise in the back a lot of the gun mas- uh, magazines, especially the ones with a more military flavor to them. I personally don't know anybody that works in that line of work, and I'm not inclined to, uh, you know, want to hang out with them. Uh, you know, but they're, they're basically people who uh, are willing to do the work. They just don't want to do it for what the Army wants to pay for it. And one of the reasons that our uh, economy is staggering so much is the cost of the war has just gone through the roof because President Bush is having to rely more and more on these mercenaries. How many of the Blackwater types are actually in the United States of America? Because I saw that there was some sort of talk of having the Blackwater guys patrol the borders. How many Blackwaters are working in North America? Nobody really knows, and it's really a case of Blackwater trying to legitimize itself. I, I think if they got the contract to patrol the border, they'd just go out and hire local people. They might even go out and hire the militia people and say, you, you want to walk the fence, wear our badge and everything, and you'll get a paycheck for doing the same thing. So it's not a case of having a standing force. I think all of Blackwater's uh, assets are currently in the Mideast. If they get the contract to patrol the border, they'll, they'll just start hiring. And, of course, in the current American job market, there's no end of people who are looking for work right now who'd be willing to do that kind of work for that kind of money. Michael Rivero, you have whatreallyhappened.com, 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. If you'd like to speak to Michael Rivero, he's live here today in an Artwater Human Serviette radio show. What do you think of other media organizations? Namely, what do you think of Stephen Colbert? Well, Colbert, I think, serves a very useful purpose in that he is popularizing the idea of political analysis and uh, he definitely does not pull any punches when it comes to uh, criticizing the American government. Uh, he and John Stewart, uh, be- because of their audience base and their fame, uh, they've got a little bit of immunity. They're- they can't really be reined in. I know that there are lines they won't cross, uh, but that's okay because they've got people uh, really thinking about what's going on, and they've made talking about current affairs socially acceptable, even joking about these things is socially acceptable now. Criticizing the president is socially acceptable. The government wants it to go the other way. The whole purpose for all this, we're listening to your phone calls and we're reading your email. It's all about scaring people into staying silent. But the, uh, the Colbert Show and uh, the Daily Show, they make talking about the, the government's push into fascism 
acceptable behavior in polite society, and that is a very, very important function. Have you seen links, Michael Rivero, that you have posted being referred to on any of these television shows? Oh, yes, all the time. All the time. And uh, while, while I've never had any direct contact with either of the shows, uh, some of the comments I've written on my website have, have wound up on the show. And, uh, you know, I would scratch my head and say, hmm, I wonder if they're reading my website. And if they are, great. You know, not, you know fine if they are. And, uh, you know, but we're all on the same side, ultimately, which is restoring the republic and uh, getting the country back to reasonable fiscal sense and, uh, you know, just making good products that other people in other countries want to buy from us and just stop all this nonsense about new world order and building a new global empire and, and all of this other insanity, which hasn't worked since the days of Alexander the Great and isn't likely to work now. Caller, are you there? Of course, of course. How go, are you doing? Good. Go ahead to Michael Rivero from WhatReallyHappened.com. And I should say, Michael Rivero, your website, WhatReallyHappened.com, you post a lot of links, don't you? That's what you do. You post links that people can go and find the information. You're not writing it all yourself, are you? Yeah, it's, it's mostly links. It's mostly a news aggregate site. Uh, there's a little bit of commentary. I do write original articles that go up there as well. Caller, go ahead to Michael Rivero. Hey, Michael, I was just wondering if you could touch uh, on Al Franken and where is he now, what's he doing, and how does he fit in the picture? Uh, I've, I've kind of stopped following his career. Uh, uh, I, I, I know he was with Air America for a while, and uh, I really I don't know. I'm not up to date on what he's doing. There was oh. some mention that he was going to run for senator, I thought, mentioned in the news. He was yeah, but I think he's already dropped out on that because oh, okay. he couldn't get the support. Any other questions at all, caller, for Michael Rivero from WhatReallyHappened.com? Well, how about um, uh, marijuana laws and that kind of great stuff? Are we going to see some heavies on it? They've been talking about it in the Vancouver media a lot lately, that they're going to shut down whatever they can here to stop fueling the uh, violence in Vancouver. Is that a shift to... <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm sorry, my experience with marijuana is that it does not lead to violence, uh, certainly not anywhere near <laughs> as much as alcohol does. You right. know, uh, it's like George Carlin says, you know, marijuana swept the neighborhood and gang fighting went away. <laughs> so uh, uh, my personal feeling is that marijuana is, uh, as an intoxicant, uh, is far less harmful than alcohol, and uh, I think it should be legal. Uh, I think the same... Uh, penalties for driving operating machinery under the influence should still apply. You've got to be responsible. Uh, but I, you know, I, I think you know a big part of this whole making drugs illegal and just having this knee-jerk reaction is basically overcompensation because so many people within the U.S. government are profiting in the drug trade. I mean, about four weeks ago, we had one of the airplanes that the CIA has been using to fly. Uh, rendition victims off to these faraway prisons where they can be tortured in privacy. Uh, this plane crashed in Mexico and they found four tons of cocaine on it. And of course, most of us probably remember back uh, the lead up to the Iran Contra scandal and the hearings in Congress where the same planes that were flying guns down to Nicaragua were flying drugs on the return flight back to pay for it all. And uh, all of that money was being laundered through that whole whitewater network of banks and land flips and, and savings and loans and the Arkansas Development Finance Authority. So, uh, you know, when you've got a government that is financing its covert operations with drugs, 
they got to stand up there and pretend to really be against drugs, especially everybody else's drugs. And I think they go overboard with it. And one of the places they go overboard with it definitely is in marijuana. How did the CAA justify that plane crashing with cocaine? What did they say it happened? Oh, they're denying it's their plane, uh, basically. But they, at first they did the same thing when Eugene Hassenfuss crashed uh, with uh, the, uh, the, the cargo plane in Nicaragua. And uh, unless somebody in the U.S. government is willing to pursue the issue, uh, it basically just goes away, and certainly that's the case now. Well, thanks for phoning in, caller. Any other questions at all for Michael Rivero? Nope. Back to work, guys. All right, and do 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 And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, the Nerdwater Human Serviette Radio Show, and we're here with Michael Rivero from WhatReallyHappened.com. If you're in front of a computer right now, check it out, WhatReallyHappened.com. Lots and lots of interesting links are on your site, Michael Rivero. If anybody has any questions for Michael, it's 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. I was curious, Michael, how many sites have been crashed by your links like you post the link and then the site gets crashed and then the site gets mad at you because you crashed their site well uh it does happen on a pretty regular basis but they're never mad at me because of course you know the traffic is really good and what they'll do is go to their uh isp and increase their bandwidth uh, you know, for people who are paying for this out of their, their own pockets, it can be a little bit difficult. But more and more of these sites are, uh, are self-funding through advertising and donations, and so it's not quite the issue that it used to be. Uh, but it does happen occasionally. When, when I link to a site, it does drive a lot of traffic to them. Caller, are you there? Yes. Go ahead to Michael Rivero from WhatReallyHappened.com. Hi, Michael. I'm uh, from California, up in Canada right now, and I wanted to ask you about uh, oil and uh your thoughts on, uh, you know, all this nuking of, you know, talks of bombing Iran and Iraq and everything, and the problem seems to be oil. And is it realistic for the U.S. to come up with solutions to get off oil and still be an economic force? Well, it's kind of a complex issue, partly because nobody's really sure how much oil is left uh, in the world. And uh, long, right now, the consensus of opinion within the U.S. government uh, and the oil industry is that renewable uh, resources are only going to account for 15% of our energy needs. And barring an unexpected technological breakthrough, which nobody wants to bet on happening, uh, it will continue to be an oil economy for the foreseeable future. But it isn't just about acquiring the oil for the United States or for Israel, but controlling access to the oil by other countries, because except for the nuclear-powered ships, control of oil is control of conventional war fighting. So it isn't just getting the oil for America, it's making sure that other countries we don't like can't get to it and use it to start a war against somebody we do like. And also the other part of it, it has to do with the economy of the United States, which is in dire trouble because up until recently, oil has been an imported product for most of us. But now if the U.S. succeeds in conquering the Mideast and putting American oil companies in charge of that oil, then all of a sudden oil, at least as far as the economy is concerned, becomes an exported product and reverses the balance of trade across our borders. That's the thinking. Also, if we're sitting there with our hands on the off valve, we can talk to those nations that we owe so much money to and convince them to perhaps not call in the loans quite so soon. Any other questions for Michael Rivero, caller? 
No, no, very interesting stuff, though. Thank well, you. thanks for calling in, and doot-doot-a-loot-doo. And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, the Nardwarda Human Serviette Radio Show. We're speaking here to Michael Rivero from whatreallyhappened.com. You're mentioning some of the sites that had been crashed. What particular sites had been crashed by your links? I'm just curious. Were there any ones that stand out, Michael, where you posted a link to a site and got tons of hits on that site because of your link? Oh, boy. I can't remember one off the top of my head. Uh, it's, um, I really can't. I'm okay. sorry. N- none come to mind. Well, just specifically about your website, whatreallyhappened.com, what sort of computer do you use? What sort of browser do you use? What sites do you check out for news? Well, I check out a wide variety of sites in terms of machines and browsers. Uh, the site itself is run on a server in another state, and I don't give out details about that because uh, for security reasons, we're, we're under constant hacker attack. Uh, Here in Hawaii, um, I have uh, uh, a whole bunch of computers because my day job involves a lot of computer graphics and computer animation, and uh, most of them are Windows boxes. We've got a couple of Linux boxes. My favorite browser is Firefox. How about archive.org? Do you ever grab from there or grab from cached material, like stuff that appears and then disappears? How quickly does stuff appear and disappear, and can you go back and grab stuff that has been taken away? Uh, archive.org is a good resource, but I think they, they began to realize it really is an almost impossible task to be snapshotting the entire Internet on a regular basis uh, because it's just changing so much. And I know with regards to my website, uh, uh, they basically have stopped snapshotting it on a regular basis uh, a long time ago. But sometimes I go back and I'll, I'll take a look at what the website used to be, you know, many, many years ago. And... Uh, uh, you know, we're going into our 15th year in 2008, and, uh, you know, I never thought it was going to last this long when I started it. And so sometimes I go back and look at what it all used to look like years ago. How about for photos and stuff that gets posted and then removed? Have you discovered any of the Wikipedia weirdness that's going on there? Because you mentioned something about Castro's Wikipedia entry, how it was doctored possibly by U.S. officials to make him become a, quote, admitted transsexual. Yeah, Wikipedia started out as a really good idea, uh, but obviously when you've got the public able to go in and edit all of the, uh, uh, the articles, then people with vested interests and agendas can get in and rewrite the articles to suit themselves. Uh, plus, the owners of Wikipedia apparently have their own political views and agendas that they enforce, and I kind of stopped paying attention to them because they, they used to have articles about myself and they used to have articles about whatreallyhappened.com that contained factual errors. And so I logged in, and I corrected the articles. And then they'd put them back the way they were, and then I'd log in and correct them again, and they'd, they'd put them back and then locked them. And their explanation was that Michael Rivero was not considered an authoritative expert on the subject of Michael Rivero. And then after that, they deleted both of my articles, and so it's almost impossible to find any mention of me anywhere in Wikipedia. And at that point, I, you know, I still link to them from time to time because they do have some good stuff. But most, you know, uh, most of all, you know, I do like to put up these articles showing that it is not an unbiased universal information source. A lot of the technical historical articles uh, are very good, but the articles on current events are definitely very biased. Uh, They have been caught uh, uh, with congressional aides 
logging in to change the article about uh, certain congressmen and senators to remove certain embarrassing information. So it's just another one of the battlegrounds in the, in the war for the minds of America, and it's one of the reasons why I don't allow uh, a, a comment forum on my website or allow anybody to log in and edit anything because you're always going to get uh, operatives and shills and uh, undercover people who come in and try and cause trouble. Michael Rivero from WhatReallyHappened.com. You mentioned something about Flight 93 regarding 9-11, etc., and how controllers were spoofed by airplanes on the ground. What was that all about? Uh, I'm not exactly sure which story that you're reporting to, uh, re referring to rather, uh, but the, the, the problem was that on 9-11 itself, and this is another aspect of the story most people don't know about, in addition to the real air traffic, there was an exercise taking place, a NORAD training exercise, uh, supposedly dealing with hijacked airplanes being flown into public buildings, and they had some 30 simulated targets that were in the air, theoretically, at the time the real hijackings took place. And this is one of the reasons why the civil air controllers were very slow to react to the real hijackings. They thought they were part of the exercises. And so for the, for the people who were uh, 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 watching what was going on with these airplanes, at first they thought it was just more of the, uh, the simulated traffic. Now, as far as Flight 93 is concerned, uh, the official story about a heroic fight for control of the airplane, it sounds really good and it made a mediocre movie, but the indications are that uh, the flight crew and the passengers succeeded in regaining control of the aircraft from whatever had taken it over. And this represented a danger to the people behind 9-11 because had they landed and it turned out that uh, there were no Arab terrorists on board the airplane, uh, that would have blown the cover right off. So the theory is that Flight 93 was actually shot down, and uh, there was one news report. I have the actual newspaper scanned at my website where somebody called from inside the airplane who reported an explosion and smoke filling the cabin while the airplane was still in the air. And uh, if you look at how far apart the wreckage came down, uh, the wreckage was spread over eight miles. You don't get that kind of a spread of wreckage from an airplane that crashes in one piece. You get that kind of a spread out of wreckage from an airplane that has exploded high up in the air. Who were the passengers fighting then with, if they weren't the classic hijackers that have been represented? Who were they fighting with? There are two theories that are out there, both of which have some merit. Uh, the first is that they were fighting with hijackers, but the hijackers were not the people we were later told that they were. The other is that the airplanes may have been under remote control. Uh, it turns out that Dov Zakheim, who used to be comptroller of the Pentagon back when they lost about $2 trillion, his prior company before joining the Bush administration uh, made remote control equipment for large airplanes. And there was a move back in the 90s to secretly put remote control equipment on airplanes so that in the event of a hijacking where the flight crew was killed or, otherwise in or, or something happened to the crew, the plane could still be landed by remote control to save uh, the, the, the passengers' lives. 
but because of security considerations, this is not something uh, that is uh, made public. And also, I'm sure the flying public would start getting really weird about, oh, you know, why have you got remote control? Is something not working on this plane that I should know about? Uh, so there are these two schools of thought, and certainly it's no secret that the military has remote control equipment uh, for large airplanes that they experiment with as well. And uh, in the case of all three of the airplanes, I'm sorry, uh, all four of the airplanes, uh, there were reports of a small white business jet that appeared to be tailing all of them uh, to their final destination. So it could be very possible that these airplanes were being remotely controlled from those white airplanes. Again, this is just reports and rumors. We don't really know for a fact what happened. But again, starting with the wreckage pattern on the ground, we know that Flight 93 had to come apart in the middle of the air, and that means it was shot down or otherwise destroyed. And then why would the government lie about that? Because most Americans would have said, yeah, sure, shoot them down. They're going to die anyway. Let's keep them from hitting a building. My personal feeling is that Flight 93 was intended to crash into World Trade Center 7, um, but that because uh, the passengers or the flight crew regained control of the aircraft, they had to shoot it down. Then they had to, to destroy World Trade Center 7 anyway because it was already loaded with explosives inside. And that's why you have that very strange video of World Trade Center 7 coming straight down like a controlled demolition when it has not been hit by an airplane, when it's only got a little bit of fire. And uh, uh, it, it's so unexplainable that the official 9-11 report does not even mention it. What indication was there that the passengers and crew took control back of Flight 93? It would be the only reason to shoot it down. But what indication was there before that? Was it going straight? What were they trying to possibly do? Like, was there any well, if the, flight, if the flight control got back in control of it, they would be probably looking for an airport where they could set down almost immediately. What we do know is that the flight path data that the NTSB has released on Flight 93 does not match the eyewitness accounts of what the plane was doing in the final moments. And uh, we get that from the... Uh, uh, pilots uh, for 9-11 Truth. I, I, I'm probably botching the name, uh, but the press release came out on that today, and it's on today's What Really Happened page. But this organization of commercial and private pilots, nonprofit organization, looking into 9-11, basically got the data that took a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit to get what the NTSB claims is the flight recorder data from Flight 93. And when they compared it to the eyewitness testimony of what was seen on the ground, it just does not match up. And we've got a government here that we know has been lying to us about nuclear bombs and everything. You know, the burden of proof is on them on 9-11. Prove to us you're not lying here. Prove to us you're telling the truth. And there are so many things that are wrong with the official story. Uh, you know, it's, it's hardly a surprise that most people now think that 9-11 was a hoax to start a war. You even had the uh, ex-president of Italy came out this last week and said that, um, uh, you know, that it's an open secret among intelligence agencies around the world, that it was a combined Mossad-CIA operation for the specific goal of launching wars of conquest across the Mideast. Michael Rivero from WhatReallyHappened.com, winding up here, 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. If anybody out there has any questions for Michael Rivero from WhatReallyHappened.com. And a lot of these questions I've been asking, and you, the callers, have been asking, actually can be answered if you check out WhatReallyHappened.com. All your links are up there for a lot of this stuff, right, Michael? Oh, absolutely, and we're, we're updating the site two and three times a day, especially during the writer's strike. 604-8, and you can see some of your jokes possibly appear on Colbert when he comes back. 
back to work, right? You're thinking Colbert and John Stewart? <laughs> My readers have been suggesting it. I don't think it's going to happen. It's a nice thought, but, you know, I'd love to meet Stephen Colbert, but I don't think it's going to happen. 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. If you'd like to meet Michael Rivero right now, phone up CITR and ask him a question from whatreallyhappened.com. World Trade Center 7, was that where the CIA records were actually stored? Oh, there was a lot of stuff in there. There was a CIA office was in there. Rudy Giuliani's emergency command post was there. You had the Securities Exchange Commission was in there. There were files on thousands of corporate fraud, white-collar crime cases were in that building, were destroyed. And so all those people, you know, the charges were dropped and they made off with their millions. Uh, all kinds of stuff was uh, in that building. And it's important to remember that this building, because it did house government offices, was built to be more fireproof, more bombproof than your average building code uh, would have. It was literally a building within a building. There was the secure section that was really supposed to be fireproof. And so it is just beyond explanation that that building could have all of its load-bearing members fail at the exact same split second to bring it down within its own footprint when there was no airplane that hit it. Uh, there were only a few fires around. Uh, you know, the, the, the buildings closer to the two towers, which were more heavily damaged, didn't collapse. And you have to remember, in the entire history of construction, no steel frame building had ever collapsed from fire before 9-11 or since. Only on that day did we have three buildings supposedly collapse because burning kerosene melted the steel frame and they came down. Michael Rivero, what CIA records have not been destroyed? Like, aren't all the CIA records all destroyed anyways out there? Why would they leave any records? Records are kept... Uh, for a wide variety of reasons. One, because nobody can remember all the things they need to remember. Second, it always makes for really good blackmail information to use on somebody else down the road. So, you know, there, there are records that are uh, used immediately and then destroyed, but then there are long-term archival records uh, that really cover the really deep secrets, and they are basically locked in the archives. And the, the theory is that somewhere down the road, when it can no longer harm anybody, these records will be released to historians who will then rewrite the history books and say, oh, golly gee willikers, I guess Franklin Delano Roosevelt did know the Japanese were going to bomb Pearl Harbor. But Michael Rivero, some people have speculated that perhaps everything has already been solved. In other words, get off the grassy knoll. Dave Emery has said that from Radio Free America for years. Get off the grassy no, in other words, the JFK assassination has been solved. It wasn't Lee Harvey Oswald. It's obvious. Let's move on from this. Is there really going to be a smoking gun that is going to come out from something like the Kennedy assassination? Would, if there was a smoking gun, would it really be kept in those records? Wouldn't it have been erased? Well, within the CIA records itself, yeah, these things do tend to get uh, rather sanitized before they're allowed out. Uh, sometimes, though, people who are processing the records don't know what they're looking at, and they'll release things that inadvertently, uh, uh, you know, fill in uh, a, a piece of the uh, puzzle. Um, I'm in agreement, though, that uh, uh, we do get off the grassy knoll, and I'm basically ready to get off of 9-11 because uh, I agree. We know what happens. We know the government lied. I'm not waiting for the government to stand up and say, oh, gee, shuckies, you caught us. 
uh, because they will never do that and they'll never apologize. Uh, but I'm convinced that we know the truth about 9-11, and so I'm looking to more current events, such as the uh, voting chicanery that we're seeing uh, going into the 2008 elections. Caller, are you there? Yeah, I am. Go ahead to Michael Rivero from whatreallyhappened.com. Yeah, hi, Michael. Yeah, I'm hi. just, one, I'm just uh, wondering, uh, you got, uh, I just came into this uh, program late, but do you have any predictions on the U.S. election as far as the Democrats and Republicans? Oh, boy. Uh, you know, it is really very much up in the air, and were, were we in a nation with honest and fair elections, I would say Ron Paul is going to win it. Uh, but we're not in a nation with honest and fair elections, and because I am not privy to the inner workings of those people who are trying to steal the elections, it's really hard to say who is going to win. I, I, I think Hillary is probably going to wind up as uh, the Democratic candidate. Uh, she may offer the v- VP slot to Obama. I know he said he won't take it. But, uh, you know, uh, between now and the convention, who knows what's going to happen. Obama may turn around and offer the VP slot uh, to Hillary uh, if he has a death wish. Uh, as far as the Republicans are concerned, I know that the new push is behind McCain. He's had uh, Lieberman has signed up behind him uh, with the caveat that Lieberman wants to be his vice presidential candidate. Uh, Henry Kissinger came out and is now supporting McCain. Um, you know, it, it really, it, it's, everything is in flux. We're coming up on the first round of primaries. Which so hold is really on a second. Lieberman out. would cross party boundaries? He'd become, dem- he'd become he's a... He's an independent. Oh, yeah, in- he's an independent now. Okay. I forgot yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah. No, he'll, he'll, he'll go wherever the opportunity goes. You know, he's this, we're not talking principle here. We're talking about open door uh, to that nice shiny house on the Naval Observatory grounds, the one with the bomb bunker underneath. And... Uh, uh, you know, it's after the first round of primaries, we'll have a better feel for what's really going on. The real issue, though, is going into Iowa. Uh, Iowa has a very bad reputation for, for vote fraud. Uh, they did it to Pat Buchanan. Um, and, and ultimately, of course, the big problem is that the, the entity that counts and totals all the votes across the country is not a government agency or any kind of a civilian body. It is a privately owned company that is owned by the TV networks and some of the newspapers. It's uh, sometimes called Voters News Service. It has a new name this year uh, called Real-Time Vote something, but it's really the same thing. And the bottom line is a privately owned company owned by the TV networks tells us who our president is, and there's no way to double-check them on it. And they take ads, don't they? Because I remember the presidential debates a few years ago. It was like, the presidential debates brought to you by Viagra. There was actually a sponsor for the actual <laughs> yeah, presidential debates. Bob Dole. <laughs> when, yeah, isn't that true? When politicians take Viagra, they get taller? <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. I, I, was just, I like that one. I, I was just wondering, uh, I, I just noticed in the paper that, uh, that both uh, William Crystal and and Charles Crowhammer have both been sacked from time. Do you think that's uh, just a corporate move, or do you think that might be uh, uh, some kind of paradigmatic shift in uh, U.S. politics? I tend to think the latter. I think the American media has realized they've lost so much of their audience to the blogs uh, by, by carrying the government's water that they've got to start going back to reporting the real news. I'm noticing more and more mainstream media outlets are approaching the, the lead bloggers and offering them involvement. Uh, Amy Goodman apparently has a new relationship with ABC. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think the mainstream media, just to survive and keep its, its, its uh, industry going, is going to start trying to merge with uh, the new media here on the Internet. And they've realized just having a web page doesn't do it. They've got to start... 
uh, grabbing the people who are out here who've been uh, redefining what news is for the last decade. You know, the Washington Post said that was Slate Magazine, right? I'm sorry? Uh, Washington Post said that was Slate Magazine? Yeah, they did that, and uh, Washington Post, I notice, has been giving me more and more, uh, not positive, but neutral coverage. Yeah, because uh, they were, uh, they were uh, yeah, one, one more question about uh, McCain and Lieberman. Do you think their, uh, their stance on Iran would make uh, a lot of people a little more gun-shy? You know, McCain saying, bomb, 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 bomb Iran. Uh, yes, it would, but again, we're dealing with people who are convinced that they can win through vote fraud. Uh -oh. And, you know, people who are willing to go to war and willing to kill people and willing to send other people's children off to die in war, you know, they're not going to stop short at rigging an election here or there. Uh, it, they get into what's called the true believer mindset. They truly believe they know what's best for the country in the future. Usually it involves themselves becoming very, very rich in the process, but they can convince themselves that everything they do is for the greater good of the country, and they just go right on out and they do it, whether it's rigging elections or staging fake terror attacks or suckering the Japanese into attacking Pearl Harbor. Yeah, it's kind of that project for New American Century and the Carl Rove Dirty Tricks and all the rest of that, you mean, like that? Or? Oh, yeah, very much so. I mean, the project for the New American Century basically set it out. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, we, you know we're, we're the world's only superpower. Let's act like it. Yeah. Okay, thanks very much. Well, thanks, caller, and doot-doot-a-loot-doo. And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. We've been speaking here to Michael Rivero from WhatReallyHappened.com. And what's so great, Michael, is people right now can, like, stop listening or maybe they can be double-tasking or multitasking or triple-tasking and they can go to the computer and actually type in your website and see all these little links to all these stuff you've been talking about. It's right there. Well, I certainly invite them to come on over, but I hope they'll keep an ear tuned to your radio show after I leave. Well, thank you very Yes, the, how thoughtful of you there, Michael <laughs> Rivero. It's on CITR, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, Columbia, Canada, and Ardwadi Human Serviette Radio Show. The news will be coming up, the CITR news. But before we go there, Michael, I was curious about the JFK assassination. Um, with the JFK assassination, they were talking about, now, I don't know if this pronounced this right, the Jonides files or the Jonides files? Uh, that is, uh, well, getting back to that time to get off the grassy knoll, there have been a lot of attempts to continue to muddy the waters as to exactly what happened uh, to keep people debating endlessly in circles. And I, I, I think this is one of those situations. Uh, you know, I, I really do think that we know what happened, and ultimately all we need to know is that the government and the media lied to us, and the fine details don't really matter, because now we've got to look at what's happening today. There is, you know, a lot of speculation on the net right now that if Ron Paul does start to do very well in the primaries, there might be an assassination attempt against him, and that's something that we need to be looking at. I mean, I'm old enough, I remember the 60s, where we had that horrible time where John Kennedy was assassinated, Robert Kennedy was assassinated, Martin Luther King was assassinated, George Wallace almost assassinated. Uh, a lot of people think that the incident at Chappaquiddick was an attempt to assassinate the third Kennedy brother uh, that failed, and, and, and uh, Mary Jo Kopechny was just side effect damage. Um, we could be headed into that same kind of an ugly period here where the people who have the war machine and the war power are so desperate to hang on to it that they will start seriously thinking about killing off, you know, people that are a threat to them. And, you know, just this last week, you know, Dennis Kucinich, who is a candidate who is trying to start impeachment proceedings against uh, uh, Vice President Dick Cheney, and all of a sudden his brother 
turns up dead, and they're, they're, they're rushing to say, no foul play, and they haven't even done the autopsy, no foul play, nothing suspicious here, nothing suspicious. And, of course, for those of us who've been watching these things all along, the first time they say, we haven't done the autopsy, but we know there's no foul play, that's a red warning light. We have a question here, lastly, for you, Michael Rivero. It's an email question, and the question goes, Michael, could there have been a JFK cover-up if YouTube existed in 1963? Like, what would have happened if it was posted and millions of people commented? Um, Obviously, with the YouTube and the Internet, cover-ups don't last as long. Uh, You have to remember that most Americans didn't see anything of the JFK assassination until Jim Garrison's trial of Clay Shaw. The the Zapruder footage was not made public until then, and that was a couple of years after the fact. So, uh, uh, yeah, with YouTube... Uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be much harder to do these kind of cover-ups, which is now we're beginning to see, it, like in Great Britain, if you're just taking pictures along the street, the police are going to hassle you. Uh, you know, cameras in the hands of the citizens are a bad thing now. And I would not be surprised that if there were to be some kind of an assassination or another staged terror event, they might cordon off the area and start confiscating uh, cameras or at least the memory sticks uh, before people could be allowed to go home just to try and keep control of all that imagery. Uh, again, looking back at some of the stuff that got out about 9-11, uh, you know, a lot of the questioning of the official story is based on videos that came out through YouTube, over the Internet. I mean, the, life, the lifespan of a cover-up is just getting shorter and shorter because of the Internet. And it was that story a little while back. I'm not sure if you linked to this or not about in Quebec where those police officers who were actually impersonating protesters. Yeah, I did link to that, and that was caught on video. That was Alex Jones who did that. And, uh, uh, you know, I I posted a story just yesterday when this thing about the Ron Paul racist smear came out where an FBI informant was found to be running one of these neo-Nazi outfits that was terrorizing the public into accepting uh, new draconian uh, legislation. You know, we've got to be on guard from neo-Nazis, and we need these new laws. Then we find out the neo-Nazis actually work for the government. Michael Rivero, where do you draw the line? Like, how do you know what might be good to post and what you shouldn't post? And what I mean by that is I was fascinated again by the Bush toilet, you know, Bush's toilet, the toilet they take on tour with him and he shits and they save the shit and he pisses and they save the urine and they ship it back to Arlington, Virginia or whatever. I have also heard that when JFK was shipped back to Washington, D.C., that Lyndon Johnson actually fucked the neck wound in John F. Kennedy's neck. And this was a story that's out there. Is that something that you would put on your website? Not without some kind of, like, solid substantiation. And I'll admit, I kind of went outside my normal policies on the Bush toilet story. Uh, But because of the similar pathology to Howard Hughes, I thought... If true, it reveals something about his mental state that we needed to be looking at. Uh, generally, as a rule, uh, you know, I don't, I don't go out for UFOs and Bigfoot and Loch Ness Monster. I leave that to Jeff Rents and, and uh, uh, what's his name, Nuri, uh, uh, during the late night. Uh, I don't go after the family members and uh, that kind of stuff. It is really about politics. It's about health and safety issues and science issues. Uh, I've certainly been a tremendous foe of the consensus on global warming uh, because it seems to be more hype and scare tactics to get money and and, uh, obedience out of the masses. Was there any weirdness associated with JFK's corpse that might have actually started that rumor? 
Well, there were a lot of accusations that his corpse was altered in order to bring it into line with the official story uh, of the assassination. Uh, but unfortunately, some, you know, uh, like his brain, which was saved in formalin, that disappeared from the National Archives. Uh, so, uh, again, as we say over the years, these things tend to get sanitized and stuff goes missing. It really is, I think, too late to go back and delve into it anymore. I'm satisfied the government lied to us, and it was a conspiracy for reasons that are already on my website, and I'm really not going to invest any time going back and looking into it again, absent a major smoking gun revelation. We've got, we've got problems in the here and now that we have to deal with. Michael Rivero, Condoleezza Rice. Lastly, what's her future? Uh, she is on the way out. Uh, she is set, being set up to take the fall for the failure of the Mideast policy. Uh, Israel has absolutely no respect for her, both because of her race and her gender, and they will not deal with her. Uh, and she keeps getting undercut uh, from the White House end. I think Dick Cheney wants her gone because then he'll have George Bush all to himself. Well, thanks so much for phoning into the Nardwarda Human Serviette radio show here today. Michael Rivero from WhatReallyHappened.com. People should check out right now. WhatReallyHappened.com. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all, Michael? Well, not really, except that uh, Canada is a very nice place. Uh, we've been there many times. We were treated very well. The people are very polite. And I hope that you will be watching what is happening in the United States and learn from our mistakes about how easy it is to lose your freedoms uh, uh, for phantom causes, you know, you've got to have truth, truth above all. I would rather have, you know, I, I, I must have a government that's truthful, or I would rather have no government at all. If you've got a government who's lying to you, you really don't know what's going on around the world. You don't know what's going around in, in your neighborhood. You don't know what's being done in your name. Why should people care about whatreallyhappened.com? Well, I don't think they should care about the website itself in particular. In fact, uh, you know, I, I, I am assured that if my website were to vanish tomorrow, there are hundreds of people who would immediately start up new ones to replace it. But they should care about the truth, uh, because uh, if you go back to Thomas Jefferson, who wrote our uh, Constitution and our Declaration of Independence, he said the highest duty of any citizen is to keep themselves fully informed so that they can make good choices. Now, obviously, in this day and age in the United States, being fully informed involves more than simply turning on the TV, because if you turn on the TV, you're going to get Britney Spears' sister is pregnant. What you really need to be getting is, uh, you know, the CIA has been destroying tapes of the torture of the two guys that they said pointed the finger of blame for 9-11 at Osama bin Laden. And that's really the important story, not Britney Spears' family troubles. Uh, so you need to go out and you need to dig for what's really going on, because the TV networks, they exist to sell you things, whether it's a new car, a new candidate, a new uh, deodorant, a new policy, a new agenda, a new war. They're there to sell it to you. They're not there about telling you the truth. They don't care about the truth. They're, in fact, you know, uh, there is no law in the United States that says the TV network news has to tell you the truth. They can lie to you, and it is perfectly legal for them to do so. Well, we're going to end right now the Nardwarda Human Serviette Radio Show with the band Love. So thanks so much for phoning in again, Mike Rivero. Keep on rocking in the free world. WhatReallyHappened.com people should check out. And doot-doot-a-loot-doo. Doot-doo.
waiting And yes, my heart was beating Or was it just repeating? And dimes, you soon will have a dollar. And I, in your time, I see no need to swallow or catch a plane to travel. My mind's not made of gravel. The following is a live presentation of CITR News. 